What is up and welcome in. It's another edition of 10,000 Pitches, a podcast devoted to everything Minnesota soccer and beyond. How you doing? My name is Jeremy Rushing. Alongside me, as always, Dominic Jose Bazonio. This is episode, I forgot what episode it was. Let me pull up the notes. 85. Um, 85 episodes, only 15 away from 100. Dom, we got to start thinking of what we're going to do for our uh, esteemed 100th episode. It's about oh, it's, it's 15 weeks away, so we got some time. But we'll have to start uh, putting that in the slack and seeing what we can do for that episode. But as always, presented by SodaSoccer.com, your new home for soccer coverage in the North. If you haven't checked us out, please do. If you haven't considered supporting our Patreon, please do as well. Help us do what we do and pay our writers and content contributors to do what they do. Um, Patreon.com slash SodaSoccer. Dom, how you doing tonight? I'm doing great. It's been a wild uh, week or so of, of international break football, national team football, and uh, yeah, I've I've really enjoyed it. There's some some big teams not making the World Cup this year: the Italy's, the Swedens, the Chiles, the Venezuelas, the biggest uh, uh, team in the world. Um, this little place called Colombia. Uh, there's a lot of a uh, <laughs> lot of places that aren't that aren't going to be at the World Cup this year, and a lot of places obviously that are. You're going to be making a big statement at the World Cup this year, so it's been a, exciting to watch that this week. You can add Mo Salah and Egypt to that list too. Yes, I know Egypt's yes, not the yes. in the world, but obviously a huge player that's going to be and Nigeria too. Nigeria, yeah, Nigeria too. as well. A lot of names. Now, this is really going to be the last year that that happens because once it gets expanded to, I believe, forty-eight, right, is what they're expanding it yeah. to, starting in 20, 28 or twenty-four. It's 28, right? 2028? 2026. Or excuse me, 2020. Oh, it's, yeah, 2026. Duh. The, the one um, in the U.S., yeah. yeah. Yeah, so once that gets expanded, though, it's going to really make qualifying, I think, a little bit more of a uh, – uh, a little less exciting, a little bit more of a, uh, I guess, a, a, a walk through for a lot of these teams. Um, I don't think you'll see, like, an Italy missing out in, in the fashion that they did or anything like that, but – um, either way, it's kind of cool to see the teams that are getting in that you might not normally see, but also on the other side of the coin, that means you have some teams that are missing out that you normally would see. And a lot of these times it's, it's an absolute heartbreaking fashion, late goals, uh, in some cases, penalty kicks as well, laser lights in the eyes while you're trying to kick a penalty kick. Um, uh, I don't know if you saw that Dom in the, in the yeah. Egypt match, Mosala just had lasers in his eyes, just craziness. That's like CONCACAF right there, I feel like. Yeah. that That's the only thing that's missing in CONCACAF is laser lights in the face of somebody while they're taking a, a free kick or a, or a PK. But anyways, absolute craziness. You're right in the, uh, in the World Cup qualifiers, but that's what makes them so cool. And I think we'll still get that moving forward, but I don't think uh, anywhere close to this level once that field's expanded. Yeah, you know, obviously it's it's hard to know, right? We, we, we simply don't know for sure how – quite how that'll affect that landscape um you know there's a lot of people for and against that change i would you know remind those people that the world cup has changed in size three or four times already uh so the the number that they're holding in revere is is a new number um Mm -hmm. the world cup used to actually not even really include any asian or african countries right it used to be like eight teams (laughs) uh but uh so, you know, yeah, obviously there's a lot of discussion around that. 
it's it's hard to it's hard to know how that affect, you know there's so many countries i think sometimes people um lose track of just how many countries will still miss out on the world cup even with 48 and and yeah. i do know that there's a lot of people that are hoping that fifa will use this as a way to take steps to make the world cup a little less um european heavy uh which mm-hmm. you know maybe that will happen and i think that could be a, a good thing because europe does get so many more spots than uh, equally large continents like Africa and Asia. Um, mm. So we'll see. We'll see what, what happens there. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, again, uh, I think this World Cup's going to be really interesting, particularly when you see who's making it, who's not making it. And, uh, uh, I, 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 you know, international football, to be perfectly honest, is, is actually my favorite part of the sport um, for, for a variety of reasons. So I, I really just enjoy any chance I get to, to take that in yeah it's definitely one of those things that makes soccer unique to really any other any other sport especially here in america specifically right how how often do you get to see your favorite basketball players baseball players you never see it in football obviously hockey players you don't even see it in the olympics anymore um you know how many how often do those guys get to play for their countries it really is only the olympics if at all um and so to have the uh, you know have the international breaks happen every single year whether it's qualifying whether it's uh you know continental cups whether it's uh, the world cup like it's just cool to get that sort of international feel every year and you can see how much it means to these guys to be able to play for their countries one of those countries who basically has locked up their spot in the world cup the united states of america thank goodness thank you christian pulisic our lord and savior um slapping around panama on a 5-1 win on Sunday um, loved just, just it, it really, the drama was out of it. Right. I think that was the best part about it. There was on in my end, I was so nervous heading into that match. I was like, this is the, this is, this is like, it felt like Trinidad and Tobago a little bit heading in like, Oh yeah, this will be good. Uh, we'll be fine. And then it wasn't fine. Um, but for this particular instance, it was very much fine. The drama was taken out of it completely in the early going, uh, a hat trick for Pulisic. Um, I mean, that's the U S team that we were hoping we would see a little bit more consistently that free flowing, you know, we're just basically going to outclass you type national type U S men's national team. And they did, they did that on Sunday in that five, one win, um, nil nil at the half against Costa Rica. So Costa Rica would have to outscore the U S by six in the second half to send the U S to that, uh, that intercontinental qualifier instead of the automatic bid. Um, if other results, you know, go certain ways too. So, um, either way, I, I mean, that's, that's not, I mean, we could say like, Oh, it could happen. That would be the most U S thing of all time for it to happen. But the way these, these teams are set up and the way things are going, that's, that's, just not going to happen. So by the time you listen to this episode, it'll be official. The U S will be qualified for the 2022 world cup. I'm so happy and mostly relieved actually at this point. Yeah. You know, it's funny. One of the big narratives, a lot of um, journalists were, were picking up on going into this window was that the, uh, the math of the, of the situation going into this window was actually very similar to the math going into that last window for the US in Absolutely. 2018. But the difference was the games this window were actually challenging on paper. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> and so 
when you think of it that way, it's like, oh, well, that feels like the worst case scenario because when it was an easier matchup, we, you know, failed. So wouldn't this mean? Yeah. Uh, the U.S. obviously did not uh, did not suffer that fate this time and, and had some yeah. really good performances, drawing a win against Mexico and Panama. And whatever happens tonight, almost, yeah, almost certainly going automatic. The slightly more possible upset tonight is that if Costa Rica gets some sort of win here, Mexico... Um, uh, Mexico could drop to fourth potentially. You know, if if El Salvador has a comeback tonight, that probably also won't happen. Costa Rica is almost certainly going to be the fourth uh, place team tonight, uh, or for the for Concacaf. But um, yeah, you know, it's a been a really interesting window. Very sad for Panama to be honest, because they looked like they were going to qualify for most of this campaign, and uh, this last like two windows they've just kind of fallen apart a little bit. But um, Great for Costa Rica, who is, you know, always a very undervalued team. People always talk about the best CONCACAF players of all time. They list a lot of Americans, a lot of uh, Mexicans, now occasionally a Canadian or two. And they almost always decide to leave out the uh, Costa Rican who won the Champions League three times in a row, Taylor Navas. So uh, this is, you know, this is a really talented national team that has a lot of great players. Assuming that they that they get that fourth place spot, they play New Zealand. We might talk about that a little later. Uh, they just mm. scored. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I imagine they will beat New Zealand. You know, they they have a really clear path to the World Cup. So, um, yeah, I think I think Concacaf's four teams that they're sending that might be one of the strongest four they've sent in a while. Actually, would be my opinion. Yeah. So. Yeah, I'm really interested to see what Canada can do once they get to that stage. And I guess outside of the whole qualifying or not, I guess there is some uh, some intrigue there in terms of which which pot that the U.S. is going to end up in. And there are certain pots that are that it might be a little bit more easier of a road than others. But I don't really have time or bandwidth to dive into all that when it comes to that. I'm just more Maybe like, hey, <laughs> we're in, qualified. We'll deal with the rest in November when we get there. Uh, that's really what I'm looking at, or we'll deal with the draw when the draw happens. Um, but that's, that's really, that's, um, I think one of the main stories from the weekend, obviously with no MLS is that the U S is in, um, a lot of other, as you, as we mentioned earlier, Dom, a lot of other drama in other, in other continents, in other world cup qualifying, uh, you know, circumstances too. So yeah, it really has been a, uh, an exciting couple weeks here for world cup qualifying, um, and just international football. In general, um, speaking of which, Bangakule Hlangwane Bangi played 65 minutes in a 5 0 loss to France for South Africa. Um, it was only 2 0 when he exited the game, so we'll, we'll just say that. Um, but this is this is pretty cool. He played against you know Giroud, Mbappe, Griezmann, uh, Kante, etc. So, really, I mean, that's 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 a who's who of world football right there that you are uh, on the field against. So, that only can mean good things. For you know, for him and you know, just his continued development to be on the field with those kind of guys. Um, so that that's that's from um, Kervin Ariaga playing 135 minutes uh, against Panama, uh, which a big result for Honduras to uh, for the U.S. men's national team to give them some, some them some help too. The one-one draw against Panama in the first game of this little cycle here, um, and then a one-nil loss to Mexico for Honduras. Um, the thing that is kind of unfortunate for him in Honduras, but also works in Minnesota United's favor, is that Ariaga got yellow cards in back-to-back matches, and both of those matches 
Um, so he is unavailable for their last qualifier due to yellow card accumulation. So he was actually able to come back to Minnesota early and will be 100% available and ready to go for this Saturday's match against Seattle. So a weird, like, unfortunate circumstances that are falling in Minnesota's favor, though, to get Ariaga back early. Yeah, you know, unfortunately, the, the player he is right now is the kind of player that is going to accumulate cards. Uh, and, and that's mm-hmm. something that I imagine that he'll want to work on. But that's also just a factor of his game right now. There is such a thing as like a strategic foul heavy player. Um, and yeah, you know, from a club perspective, it gets him back early in a campaign that, of course, Andorus were no longer um, competing for a World Cup qualification spot. So in the end, he misses one game that was more or less going to be for player development anyways. Uh, another benefit to Minnesota, indirect benefit, is that potentially because of his unavailability, uh, Rosales is actually starting tonight against Jamaica in the midfield. So um, in a lot of indirect ways, that <laughs> those two yellow cards kind of, I don't know, benefit everyone a little bit. Um but, you know, it's great for both of those guys to be getting men's the national team again, even if they're not competing for a spot anymore, uh, particularly Rosales, who's still so young. Um, those those are great minutes to get. You know, they'll, I assume, hope to be very involved in more successful campaigns for Honduras in the next Gold Cup, next uh, World Cup qualifying cycle. And um, I, I, I imagine just like any other country that didn't make it to Qatar this year, um, they'll they'll be very hungry to just you know, get, get ready for that next cycle. Now we'll get right back into the episode in just a minute, but I want to talk to you about our friends over at Pence homes. If you're on Minnesota United Twitter, you probably know who Nate Pence is. He's a diehard loon supporter, but he's also a supporter of Minnesota soccer as a whole, just like us here at soda soccer. See Nate and his team are realtors specializing in the St. Paul and Minneapolis area. And he proudly supports various teams and organizations in the twin city soccer community like Minneapolis City, our friends over at Equal Time Soccer, and now SodaSoccer.com and 10,000 Pitches. Not only is Nate ingrained in the local soccer ecosystem here, he's also helped countless people in and around the Metro buy and sell their homes and has made them very happy as a result. But don't take our word for it. Just listen to what Kate W. had to say. She said, quote, Nate was excellent to work with. He's down to earth, approachable, not pushy. We developed a great rapport with Nate and have already recommended him to friends. So just head to PenceHomes.com to get the process started or email Nate directly at Nate at PenceHomes.com. That's P-E-N-T-Z Homes.com. Also, make sure you let him know Jeremy from Soda Soccer sent you. Again, that's PenceHomes.com. P-E-N-T-Z Homes.com. Here's where, and I guess maybe I'm just looking at this through the loons lens if you will, and maybe not through the entire lens with the entire context of the situation. Um, Dane St. Clair didn't appear for Canada in any of their three matches in this break. He was on the bench, but didn't find his way between the posts. If you're Canada, you, you already have the, you're already qualified. I mean, they, I guess they weren't 100% qualified. The results of the first sort of round of matches um, in this cycle qualified it for him, but they were basically for all intents and purposes qualified um, basically for all intents and purposes solidified, uh, you know, the, uh, a top spot in the table. A lot of, a lot of things would have had to go not their way in order for them to not get that top spot in the CONCACAF table. But I think 
whether the big thing is whether or not you're qualified, which they basically were. And you don't allow one of your young stud and, you know, to, to, to find his way onto the field, um, you know, to get him some run, to get him some time. I, I don't necessarily get that. You would think if there was a time to sort of maybe quote unquote, play the kids and rotate some guys in to see some, see some action for the national team and maybe try to show you something as a coaching staff, this would be that time. They elected not to with St. Clair. Again, maybe this is a bit of a biased outlook on this, but it's a bit head scratching to me. Yeah. You know, so two things, one, I, I think even without the Minnesota bias, I think your, your, your point stands and there's plenty of reason behind it. The other point though, is I think that uh, John Herdman, the, the, the head coach of the Canadian national team is in like a really complicated with this window, at least kind of is put in a really awkward situation with managing his goalkeeping depth. Right. So that, that game against Jamaica, for example, which at that point it was certain they're going to make it. I, I understand that for him, you want to play Bor, Borean, I believe is how you pronounce it, um, because he's been playing the whole campaign. So you want him on the pitch when you make it official, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think that's part of it. Uh, it's sort of like a respect thing. Then tonight, it is, you know, clearly he was open to playing a different option tonight because he did. He played Cropo uh, uh, from LAFC. If I'm him, I would rather do St. Clair for tonight. But, you know, he, he's gone with a different option um, who has a little more experience, I suppose, um, just playing in general. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it, it's, it's, a, it's a weird one. Um, my hope, just in a long term, like how, how this could be resolved in St. Clair's favor is that because Canada is obviously going to be in the World Cup, they're probably between now and uh, the winter going to want to be playing friendlies and having camps in preparation. My hope is that if St. Clair, you know, continues to play for Minnesota uh, and plays well, that he will have his moment there in the summer. Uh, I, I, I'm sure that's not how he wanted it to go and that he would have liked to be playing tonight or against Jamaica. Uh, but but I, I don't think that the, the door is sealed for him at all. By the way, Panama like just took the lead. So uh, Kripo's, um chance is not uh, going brightly for him. So, you know, the, the, there, there are things that could still line up very well for St. Clair. But yeah, it, it, to your original point, it, it is a little disappointing not to see him play because that was kind of the momentum going into this break. Yeah, and as we say that, Costa Rica takes a 2-0 lead on the U.S. as well. Four more. <laughs> so, I mean, four more. I, you know, I, I, I was very confident at the beginning of this episode. I'm still confident, but you never, you, you know, there, things are, the, the the stomach is getting a little bit, a little bit more, uh, more nervous. I'll, I'll tell you that much. But anyways, um, yeah, so that wraps it up for uh, international duty. New Zealand will play the fourth place CONCACAF team, likely Costa Rica. Uh, in, uh, in mid June, uh, meaning Michael Boxall, who didn't play with New Zealand in this, uh, last round of matches, uh, basically because Minnesota needs him there, <laughs> right? Uh, it was, it was a strategic, uh, move on, on Boxall's parts. 
um, to basically say, hey, New Zealand knows where they're going to end up and where they're going to stand. Um, they're going to be in this intercontinental playoff no, no matter what. So, A, I can't really help the team at all by going, but B, with the defensive issues and the injuries that they faced on the back line and for Minnesota's case, um, you know, it was sort of a, uh, a respect thing um, and a strategic decision there from a club standpoint for Boxall to stick around here in Minnesota. Um, his brother Nico did start in this last round of games for New Zealand. So that's cool to maybe get that, that brother, that kinship uh, when we get to that, uh, that June playoff match. Um, but yeah, definitely no matter what happens here in Minnesota, it's, it's a huge match for New Zealand. I expect Boxall, um, if he's healthy, knock on wood, to uh, to have that, you know, to take that opportunity uh, in June for that playoff match. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, it's understandable. Um, other other teams, you know, for example, Concacaf teams that had like Canada that had to play from the earlier qualifying rounds, and therefore, you know, we're playing um, smaller countries like uh, islands in the Caribbean that you know are 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 not the challenge of say a Mexico. Or the or the United States, um, you know, there are a lot of nations that that have a system in place of sort of a scale of how, of who you call up over time um, as you as you proceed through the stages of qualifying. You know, the, the Solomon Islands, who New Zealand beat today in the final for the OFC qualifiers. Solomon Islands, very good team, a lot of good young players, um, but New Zealand were always going to be favorites for for the entire campaign, and so understandably, if you have a couple players that have uh, things going on with the clubs. You maybe don't don't bother that. You know they they have Chris Woods from the Premier League starting up top against teams that are largely amateurs. They don't really need every single def- per defender that they want, um, you know, there for them. So, uh, yeah, hopefully you know everything works out. He's able to go in June, be part of that that qualifier against probably Costa Rica, <laughs> um, and uh, and you know who knows? You know, personally, I think Costa Rica is great. It'd be really interesting to see them in the World Cup, but. It's also really cool the idea that maybe we see Michael Boxel in New Zealand in the World Cup. That's obviously a huge thing for that country, uh, who you know, it's the only <laughs> the OFC is the only uh, region of FIFA where you can be the best team and you don't even get into the World Cup. You That's can crazy. Be clearly, the best team in the region, and you can blast everyone five zero. And you all can you be get, number one in the world. Yeah. <laughs> all you get is a playoff against like an okay team from another part of the country or part of the world. Yeah. So yeah. it's it's a tough one. That's a that's a hell of a thing you gotta deal with. Um so uh would be great either way. But uh yeah, excited to see Boxel at least for that that one matchup uh, back on the international stage this summer. Yeah, there will be a hashtag local angle with that one, uh, <laughs> for sure. Um, and maybe if you get, uh, if you get Calvo on the Costa Rican side, we can double that up. Uh, but anyways, um, yeah. So, um, hopefully we don't get any, any additional excitement from, from Costa Rica and us as, uh, as we move forward into the uh, podcast here, but let's talk about Minnesota's upcoming match. They obviously had the weekend off due to international duty. They are back at it at Allianz field Saturday night, hosting Seattle, 7 PM kickoff. Um, Seattle does come in limping a little bit, a one, one and two record. Um, earning half as many points as Minnesota United after four games. Uh, but the big difference for Seattle coming into this one is they get their dangerous Raul Rui Diaz back. He's been out the first four matches, haven't seen him since the uh, CONCACAF Champions League before the regular season even started for MLS. 
Um, and he missed the first four games with an injury. He is back, though, or expected to be back. He was back in training last week. Um, everything I'm reading on the Seattle side says he'll be he'll be uh, available for selection on Saturday against Minnesota. Obviously, that's a huge, huge boost for Seattle. And that brings the boogeyman out for, for Minnesota a little bit because I think at the opener last year, um, granted that was in Seattle, and Minnesota got their revenge when they uh, did the return match at Allianz, but it was Rui Diaz who basically single-handedly ruined Minnesota United's 2021 opener last year. Uh, but at the same time, this is a little bit of a different Minnesota United team, I think, coming in with a little bit more confidence, um, and it should be a good matchup either way. Yeah, you know, I, I think there's plenty to be uh, confident about going into this game. But like you said, obviously, it's not a welcome uh, addition to know <laughs> that Rui Diaz is going to be available for that game. Uh, Loons fans but, aren't like, you know who I'd like to see on the field on Saturday? Raul Rui Diaz. It's Seattle, really but do they him. have Rui Diaz? It doesn't really count. Yeah. <laughs> um, look, I mean, the guy's a... The, the, at least in this league, the guy's just a, a stone cold killer about as much of that as you get. So, um, obviously, there can be some effects from the fact that he's coming back from you know an injury that can affect some things. But at the same time, sometimes guys like that are the most dangerous when they come back from those situations. So, um, yeah, you know, it, it, it presents a, a big additional challenge. But as we've been talking about this whole season, really. Um, you know, if Minnesota United want this to be the year where they uh, get to that next that next level, so to say, in terms of the results, in terms of you know postseason run, etc., you got to be the team that that breaks molds and and breaks patterns. So uh, you're going to have to be the team that can survive playing a star player or playing against a star player. Uh, so you know. In the same way that, you know, and that goes for any other team. I mean, pretty much every team in MLS has one or two guys like that. So, uh, yeah, you know, it'll be interesting to see this back line, which obviously has had a lot of modification match to match, see how they handle him, assuming he plays. And even if he doesn't play, by the way, Seattle's got a lot of good players. So, uh, I don't know if you know this, Jeremy, but according to the MLS power rankings, they're the best team in the league. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, uh, I've, they've I've only beat. They've only beat one team, but uh, I have you know, some but, issues there. Yeah, I also have some issues with, um, I believe uh, I can't remember who it was. Kind of released to their rankings of the best players in MLS, uh, or at certain positions, and Emmanuel Reynoso was not on that list. So it's it's really it's 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 one of those things where, you know, you you make fun of the the underdog sort of theme that we get with Minnesota United, but when it comes down to it, when it comes down to the national media and it's time for them to show the receipts, yeah, the receipts aren't really there uh, from what we see. So uh, as far as the respect they get in the national media. Now, I think does this Minnesota United team does have a lot more to prove in terms of, of gaining that, that real like top tier of MLS sort of respect. Um, but at the same time, there's a lot of inconsistencies there with these rankings and stuff. I try to try not to take too much stock into them. They're, they're conversation pieces. They're to get people in Twitter spaces and podcast listens and, and clicks and retweets and stuff like that. So I don't take that much stock into them, but it does, it does kind of sit there. There's a little plants, a little seed in the back of my mind. They're like, really, yeah. really? Oh, that's sure. where we're going right now. Um, but anyways, it'll be interesting to see how this week off, 
impacts uh, uh, both clubs even, right? I mean, you have guys who are out on international duty, so they're going to have that travel back uh, likely on Thursday. Um, so they'll have kind of Friday to get re-acclimated, re and then you're back in the field on Saturday. Um, then you have the guys who have had the week the week off training, you know, so we'll see kind of mission to see which which players look fresher and which players look, you know, like, is it going to be rust? That's the issue. Or is it going to be travel and fatigue? That's more the issue. Um, are we going to see all these guys? Are we going to see a full strength 11 or will a guy like Robin Lud or or one of these other international pieces maybe maybe get a start off because of the travel and the 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 minutes that they've been playing over these over this last week for their for their countries who knows um we'll probably as you're listening to this you have a better idea than even we do probably as we're recording here wednesday night if you're listening friday morning of what that's going to look like from a roster standpoint but um it's interesting to think about but i said this last week dom i would put minnesota united's roster top to bottom against anybody in, in mls and that includes a seattle side with raul Ruiz diaz in the 11 um it's a measuring stick though. I think as that Philadelphia match in week one was a measuring stick as the Nashville match in week two was a measuring stick. I think this is another one of those matches where people are going to look at in the national media too, and say, we're going to know a lot after this about where Minnesota United stacks up against the, the elite teams or where they actually stack up again in the, in the Western conference and then MLS as a whole. Um, it's kind of a lot of stock to put in one match in, April, but at the same time, you have an opportunity here, another opportunity. I keep saying these opportunities to make a statement and to show that you deserve to be in that in that conversation. Uh Saturday is is one of those. Yeah, again, um season particularly the you know, this part is this is in part because of of how MLS works very specifically as as a league. Um these sorts of games, big, big performances against certain kinds of teams in MLS, uh, what, whatever part of the year they're in, like you said, even as early as, as April, uh, can have some pretty serious aftershock uh, in terms of the trajectory of, of the team. So in the same way that I think, you know, a good, like you said, a good result against a Philadelphia and Nashville uh, can have implications, uh, a, a result against a team like Seattle, who, you know, we were kind of joking about them not having a great start this year, but obviously Seattle is Seattle and they're, they're a power in the league. And um, they're always going to be that even on years where they don't do as well, they always end up having influence. So uh, getting a good result against them uh, this weekend is, is, is a fundamental part of building momentum uh, for, for our Minnesota United team that have, you know, more or less throughout the season so far been pretty, pretty good but have also, you know, struggled to execute certain things, struggled to make the most out of their chances, the most out of their effort. Uh, a good performance against a team like Seattle uh, could be a really useful way to to trigger the next step of that process and be a little more clinical, be a little more decisive. So we'll have to see. Yeah. Taking a quick water break here to tell you about our good friends over at Stimulus Athletic. And when I say friends, I 100% mean Jason Mora has been supporting 10,000 pitches since its infancy in the summer of 2020. And he's continuing to provide us that support with SodaSoccer.com. And I'm proud to say 
She's become a good, good friend of mine. Jason used his experience as a pro all over the country, including right here at Minnesota United, to help him launch a company that can provide quality game gear and apparel at affordable prices to clubs and teams at all levels. This is a Minneapolis-based company doing great things for local, nationwide, and even worldwide clubs. Minneapolis City, Joy Athletic, Flora, Dynamo St. Cloud, Tulsa Athletic, the American Outlaws, and even the Anguian national team all use Stimulus to outfit their club with the jerseys, game gear, and apparel they need. And Stimulus can do the same for you and your club as well. It's pretty simple. Just head to StimulusAthletic.com, start a conversation with their amazing team, and let them know Jeremy from Soda Soccer sent you. Again, that's StimulusAthletic.com. And I was thinking about this too. I think the reason why I push so much stock into these kind of matches and making a statement, these kind of matches is I look back at 2021 and it's hard for me to pinpoint like a real marquee win for Minnesota United. I think the Philadelphia comeback is the first one that comes to mind at home. It was a huge match. Obviously you got pretty big wins at home against both SKC and Seattle. Um, but those are, I mean, I really have to think about those two. Like those really don't stand out in my mind. The Philadelphia one is really the only one that stands out in my mind where I look back at 2020 and you have that end of season run that they won on where it's three nil, three nil, three nil. And it's like, this team is dominant, right? You have the MLS's back tournament run that this team had in 2020. You look back in 2019, you have, you know, Vito Monone late save against FC Dallas. You have Dotson scoring the playoff clinching goal to beat SKC at home. Like, you know, you have those kind of moments and those matches that really stick out in the mind. It's been a bit since Minnesota United has really had one of those big, you walk like, man, that was a big freaking win. Philadelphia really is the only one that comes to mind. I know Seattle and SKC, you could probably pinpoint those and say, yeah. To me, though, those those were really, while they put together good performances, those weren't too memorable, maybe because they didn't have those necessarily marquee moments that you can pinpoint. Um, but I think, I think 2022 is the year where we see this roster. It's, it's, you got to get some of those, you got to get a handful of those that in three or four years, we're going to look back on and say, man, remember, remember Minnesota night did that. Remember when they beat the crap out of Seattle at home three nil, <laughs> like, you know, like <laughs> you, 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 you sort of need those. Every team sort of needs those. And that's again, how you gain that sort of national respect and get inserted into that elite conversation. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. Um, yeah, turning points and, and moments are, are so crucial. You know, uh, soccer these days is uh, looked at in a very statistical manner, which is there's a very good aspect to all of that. But sometimes that leaves out the emotional importance of just a, a key moment, a key game, a key performance, uh, and what mm-hmm. that can do for a team or a player um, as a contributor for that team. So, um yeah, I, I definitely see what you mean, that that perhaps those haven't been around as much lately. Uh, and there are few teams in MLS that you would enjoy seeing a moment like that arise for than, uh, you know, against the Seattle Sounders, so and especially at home. So, uh, yeah, again, uh, this is a, a great platform for something special to happen. Really is. Saturday night, 7 p.m., Post Loons will be on and live following the match. Um, so make sure you're following us on all the social medias at Soda S-O-C. Um, hit up our YouTube channel. Just look up Soda Soccer. 
or post loons on YouTube to be able to find us there as well. Join us in that conversation. Should be fun either way. All right, transitioning now, talking about forward Madison. We haven't talked about the Mingos on the podcast in a while, Dom, but they kick off the 2022 season this weekend at Chattanooga, uh, and then they follow that up with the U.S. Open Cup, uh, their U.S. Open Cup second-round match against Cleveland on Wednesday next week, and then their home season opener next Saturday as well. So a big, busy first week for the Mingos. Um, a handful of returners, Cyrus Rad, Eric Leonard, Derek Gebhardt, Audi Jepsen, Justin Suko, Christian Enriquez, Phil Brino, um, but more than a dozen new faces. Uh, Coach Matt Glazer really focused on bringing in new talent, almost all of which have played at a higher level here in the States, whether it's USL Championship, they have a few guys even with MLS experience as well, um, or guys that have played you know, first division in Brazil, uh, in, in Europe as well. Um, that list is headlined by Senegalese striker Abdu Mbake Tiam, formerly of Loose City FC, um, in the USL Championship. Um, they got an MLS Cup winner too. Andrew Wheeler Omiyunu uh, was part of that 2018 Atlanta United team who won the MLS Cup. And then Alvin Jones, who, um, talking on this particular night, um, raises the nerves level level a little bit. Uh, but yes, Minnesota or excuse me, Minnesota. Ford Madison did sign Alvin Jones, and he is the Trinidad and Tobago player who scored the uh, the winning goal, the nail in the coffin, so to speak, to oust the U.S. from World Cup qualification back in 2018. Um, obviously, a really good player, really good defender. Um, so he'll be a huge addition to the Mingos as well. Um, should be a fun season for Ford Madison. We should see a lot of uh, different product on the field for the Mingos. Um, you know, Rob Chapel from Madison 365 and I have been talking on the on the Talking Flock podcast that. Um, this team just seems a little bit more well-rounded and more complete on paper heading into 2022. Obviously, they need to back that up on the field, um, but they seem to be trending in the right direction from a roster build standpoint. And it's really exciting to see so many guys who are sort of quote-unquote next-level talents that are playing in Madison this year. Yeah, for sure. You know, we talked about, uh, I mean, uh, I think even some of the podcasts we recorded when the previous season was still happening, we talked about um, – how this this coming year now now that the year we're in uh, is going to be a really important one for this team. You know, there's were a lot of big decisions made at the end of last season and after last season, and uh, those decisions echo decisions that were made after the previous season. And you know, it's mm-hmm. uh, important to sort of at some point really plant a flag and and create something long term, something that feels purposeful and successful and uh, well thought out and you know, all the other adjectives. Uh, and so, uh, you know, it definitely seems like Madison's going for that this year. They bring in some really talented players. You look at someone again, like Jones, who uh, has just subbed into the game for Costa Rica. No, um, but, uh, <laughs> but, you know, that's a guy with so much experience. I mean, God, I mean, <laughs> uh, there's not, a lot, you know, a lot of people that play in USL League One are, are, are young guys who, who barely dip their toes in, into the, the professional day and meanwhile you got a guy who's really been there done that uh at all the all sorts of levels so um that's that's so, and what, obviously one that's great to have as an option on the pitch but the the power that brings to a, a, a locker room as well is immense indescribable really uh to have guys with that sort of insight and experience available to again to play but also to interact to 
to share, to uh, train with, et cetera. So, you know, you look at all the great teams around the world, clubs, uh, uh, national teams, a lot of them have guys that don't even necessarily play as much, but they're, they're there for more than that. And maybe they do play a lot, but they're more, they're there for more than that. They're there to be a presence, you know? So having that experience is, is so useful. And uh, hopefully that can prove a, an important element for this Madison team who, you know, like you were saying, I think there's reason to be really excited for this season. They've got uh, the open cup back. They made a, you know, they had a, a pretty good time in the, in the cup the last time they played in it, which was uh, yeah. 2019. If my memory serves me right. Uh, and uh, you know, this game against Cleveland presents them a great opportunity to kick off another good run. Uh, and then of course, in the meantime, also focus on USL league one, focus on, finding that league success that hasn't quite been there yet these first couple of years and uh you know give give the give the fans a little more to cheer about not that not that they won't keep cheering anyways but give them a little more to to be motivated about and be passionate about uh, i think we'd, we'd all love to see that for madison and for soccer in wisconsin so again very very exciting stuff ahead uh, Rob Cha- Rob Chapel from Madison 365, former Flock president Andrew Schmidt, who now runs NewDogmazine.com, which is sort of a fanzine uh, for Forward Madison and, and other things going on in the Madison area, which you should definitely check out. Um, we kind of pre- previewed the season on this week's episode of Talking Flock, season premiere of Talking Flock. So if you're into Forward Madison, make sure you check that out wherever you get your podcast. But um, I I predicted a round of 16 run for forward Madison in the open cup this year. And uh, much of that has to do with sort of that, that USL championship MLS type experience that this team has world with a lot of those players who have sort of been in deep open cup situations and open cup runs. They kind of know how to navigate those situations where other league one teams, a lot of them, while, while USL League One as a whole is sort of gets the freedom now with MLS Next Pro being its own thing to sort of maybe step out of that developmental box. Yes, you can still be developmental. You can still have young players and develop them. You obviously still want to do that, but you're not sort of a slave to being that sort of uh, uh, developmental league for USL mm-hmm. Championship, for MLS you kind of get that freedom now to say, okay, what are we going to do to give ourselves the best chance to win, put out the best product on the field for ourselves and for our supporters, right? Independently of all of that other crap. Um, so that sort of is what gives Ford Madison the ability to do what they've done. And I think that will be a trend that goes league wide, but I think they are sort of on the front foot of that. And if that becomes a successful formula, you will see them sort of be the first, uh, you know, recipients of of the success that comes with that right so um I, I think that can only mean good things for them so that's why i made such a bold prediction um uh, about the round of 16 run for madison but either way will be very very interesting and again you can check that out 6 30 on saturday is the uh is the opener against chattanooga um i'm gonna have the dual screen set up in the basement with the loons on one and the mingos on the other on saturday night i'm sure, sure my fiance it's going to be absolutely thrilled about that sarcasm, uh, but uh, that sh- that should be fun to have both the Mingos and the Loons, or Mingos back, and of course the Loons back off the international break, kind of at the same time on Saturday. Um, other League One news: Former Loon Miguel Ibarra 
officially signs with Charlotte Independence. Um, shout out Andy Grader from the Pioneer Press. He first broke this um, last week, I believe. Um, and for those curious, Charlotte is in Madison May 21st. And the reason why I know this is because I was kind of excitedly looking up like, hey, if Ibarra is in Madison on a night that the Loons aren't playing, I might make the trip to go see him. Well, the Loons aren't playing May 21st, but there is something that is still slightly important going on in my life on May 21st that uh, is my wedding day. So mm. won't be uh, won't be ditching the reception to head to Madison to watch Miguel Ibarra. <laughs> Uh, even though there is a slight little like, oh, could I, could I? No, 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 we can't, we can't do that. So uh, <laughs> it's uh, unfortunate for me. It was a close one. Yes, it was a close one. I, I almost asked my uh, fiance if we consider moving the wedding date, but uh, I think I might have more success calling league one and asking them to change the date of the match, to be honest. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um, it is for, so for Loons fans who might want to make this trip, it does not conflict with the Minnesota United match uh, United as of now. And again, these schedules can change all the time, but as of now, United actually plays on that Sunday, the 20, the 22nd. So you could go see Miguel Ibarra play in Madison on the 21st without conflicting with any loons matches. I'm just saying. That's cool. And, and uh, you know, obviously there's uh, a history of a lot of, Wisconsin soccer fans supporting United up to the point, particularly that Ford Madison was created. And so uh, there's, there's just so much cross support between those two teams, so much history of interaction between those fan bases. So yeah, that's great that there'll be maybe a, a chance for some, some people to see him live again that may be having in a little bit. And, and, and also it's great by the way, just that he's um, you know, found his next club and that he's going to be back in um, was obviously in the USL championship with San Diego uh, last year, uh, I believe. Uh, and that had ended and uh, took a little bit for him to find the next place. But here he is uh, in League One with the Charlotte Independents who, who dropped down from the championship uh, for this season, uh, presumably because there's an MLS team in their city now. Um, but but I will say, just for those interested in the well-being of Miguel Ibarra, that I actually know that there's there's a, a relatively you know ambitious project going on with that team. They've done a lot of good scouting. They've actually signed some guys from from Venezuela that I, I was um, I, I know very well the the people behind the move and and they were very positive about um, about all that about that project that team's trying to, to work towards so uh, you know and like we were just talking about he probably brings a lot of great experience to that locker room he's done it all in American soccer really and uh, and also is is still very good and this is probably a level that he can really excel at still and uh, yeah, so it'll be great to see him. Great to see how the independents do in this new challenge they've got. And uh, great to have him back in the upper Midwest again. All right, you can call this our 10K coffee break because it's time to tell you about our friends over at Night Street Soccer and Coffee. Derek and his team at Night Street have been so great to us, and we hope you can support them the way they've done for us over this past year. Night Street is part indoor soccer facility, part coffee shop. You heard me right. You can get a pickup game in and get your espresso fix all in the same place. How cool is that? I have to say, I was lucky enough to sample some of the coffee you can get at 9th Street. My goodness, it's some great stuff. Derek is one hell of a barista. I'll just say that. 
Affordable weekly pickup is always available at Night Street. You can reserve the field for your team, party, or group outing. And they always have something cool going on at Night Street, including Minnesota United Watch Parties happening periodically for road games throughout the season. So make sure you check them out on IG and Twitter at Night Ninth Street MPLS. That's Ninth and Street, both spelled out. N I N T H S T R E E T M P L S on IG and Twitter. Look them up on Facebook and Google, or visit their website, NinthStreetMPLS.com. Just like the uh, social handles, N I N T H S T R E E T M P L S.com to sign up for pickup, reserve field time, or just learn all about our good friends over at Ninth Street Soccer and Coffee. 801 South Ninth Street, Minneapolis, or online at NinthStreetMPLS.com. 100%. Um, so, again, 21st is when you could uh, potentially see Miguel Ibarra play in Madison. And this Saturday at 630 is the Mingo's opener at Chattanooga on ESPN+. Plus. Um, moving further down the pyramid, lower league news, Dakota Fusion have named Sam Winning, great last name, as their new head coach. Um, he uh, is also the head coach at Aberdeen, South Dakota's um presentation college of the naia um so he is kind of taking on this dakota fusion role in addition to that um also played for duluth fc in 2017 so this is a young coach um sort of taking a a new step in his career um you know back in the mpsl north with the dakota fusion um he's also the fusion's assistant in 2021 so he knows that program now too so um, some youthful, so, you know, we talk about youth sort of being integrated into, into some of these clubs in the, in the MPSL North and lower league soccer. Well, we're kind of maybe starting to see that now as a trend, um, with coaches as well, which is pretty cool. Yeah, it's great. Uh, you know, great for, for Sam to get this next, uh, notch in his resume, this next notch in his career as it continues to develop as a coach. Uh, like you, like you noted, you know, he's relatively familiar with the MPSL North. He's played in it been part of a, a conference winning side and then also has worked as an assistant coach uh previously with the fusion uh and so it, you know it'll be really interesting to see how, where he takes them that's a that's a team that's had great seasons some poor seasons had medium seasons you know had had mm-hmm. kind of every kind of year you can imagine um yeah. but i will say as someone that's seen a lot of the fusion over the last several years that even on the years where they end up low on the table they're usually a team you would expect to have interesting games or, uh, against. They're usually a team you would expect to have tough games against and to have some really interesting pieces and players. So, you know, he's, I'm sure, going to have some really interesting tools to work with. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll just have to wait and see how his, you know, debut as a head coach in, in the conference goes. But uh, I think it's definitely, you know, a great ad for them, bringing some experience and at the same time youth into a team that, uh, always gives people a hard time. So yeah, again, very, very happy for him. Definitely. And, uh, you know, again, kind of NPSL North staying in the NPSL North, which, which is cool. Um, you know, continuing to try to grow that league and grow that, grow that footprint. Um, speaking of twin stars announced the signing of players, Nico Schiebel, uh, former twin stars, Academy kid, uh, currently going to Northern Michigan and Taib Benjafar, um, who's also a former Academy player. Um, he goes to Northwestern. So um, to D1, I believe Northern Michigan is D1. I'm actually not 100% sure about that. So don't quote me on that. Uh, but Northwestern definitely is. Um, or sorry, is that Northwestern St. Paul? Or is that Northwestern Illinois? I, be- I believe it's St. Paul. Dang. Okay. I believe that's Never mind. 
We might edit that out, <laughs> or we might leave, leave it in. Who knows at this point? Uh, but anyways, so um, they are either way, no matter where these guys go to, go to college or what division they go to college, and they're starting to build their roster, which is cool. Obviously, former Academy products too. So it's um, it's cool to see that even though they sort of took a year off from MPSL North play, that sort of pipeline up through you know the Academy to the main um you know npsl roster is still there it still exists um and players are are, are still coming up through that and, and getting that time and getting that opportunity to play with the with that quote-unquote senior team there yeah uh yeah great great to have that local flavor in the team and 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 you know twin stars have always had a lot of that but it's great to see that continue um you know they, they've taken some steps uh to kind of Re redo their image a little bit and, and put out a new badge and, and all that sort of stuff. But it's great to see all of that being used to support that continued identity as a team that really focuses on local talent and of course has a, a vast uh, academy that, that they build out from. So uh, really looking forward to seeing what these guys can do joining up in the NPSL. Uh, the Twin Stars are, well, they, they weren't in the, the conference last season, but when they have been in the NPSL North, always were one of those teams that you never knew what you were going to get in terms of uh, kind of like the fusion, actually, I suppose, but there were years where they, they really put the, the likes of Minneapolis city, Duluth FC, med city to the test, took considerable amounts of points off them. Um, so, you know, if, if they come back anywhere around that level of competitiveness, they're, they're easily going to be a team to watch and a team to be worried about for, for fans of other teams. Uh, and yeah, again, looking forward to seeing how these guys fit into that puzzle. Okay. I'm looking up to see where Northern Michigan plays, what, what division they're in. Give me a second. I'm going to see if I was, let's see if I fell into some sort of accuracy with my, with my assumption there. I highly doubt it, but we're going to, we're going <laughs> to find out. All right. So Northern Michigan university men's soccer. Oh, they're D two. They play. They play in the GLIAC, same as St. Cloud State. So, um, also, I I swear that it had said Northwestern, but I'm seeing Northeastern for for Taib. So apparently, he goes to a different place. My my bad. But uh, the point being that both of them are, are college players, I suppose. But they're they're also both uh, freshmen, I believe. Um, so, you know, they're, they're, that's the asterisk also on their college careers. But, um, yeah, great. I mean, again, great to have young talent being part of this team. Great to have that academy prove useful in producing adult footballers. And, um, yeah, like I said again, like I said before, uh, I expect Twin Stars to be, to be a, a dangerous side to play. And uh, I, expect, I expect these two guys to be a part of that. So, uh, very exciting. Yeah, yeah, definitely exciting. And uh, as we get closer to that MPSL North season, should be an exciting one. And um, you know, just really interested to see what some of these rosters look like, some of the some of the names that that were are returning to these clubs, but also some of the new names that we'll see in the conference this season. Um, moving on, kind of off the field a little bit here. Um, this is pretty cool. So our friend Caleb Crossley over at the Futsal Society, if that name sounds familiar, he was interviewed. Uh, back in the winter of 2021, actually. So um, probably 13, 14 months ago now, we interviewed Caleb on the podcast. You can go check that out in the archives. We'll also link that in the show notes here as well. 
Um, but the Futsal Society is, is a really, really cool organization here in the Twin Cities that really just strives to make futsal accessible uh, to as many kids as possible um, in this area. Uh, Caleb puts in some tireless work, you know, putting together sort of, uh, you know, and, you know, pickup style, um, you know, opportunities and, um, you know, finding spaces and, and things like that uh, for these things to happen. Um, and futsal is, if you don't know what futsal is, um, you can check out that interview. Um, but it's, it's kind of a, a more, I guess, I wouldn't say accessible, but a more, I guess it's, it's, it's a good integration into soccer. If you are maybe not, you don't know much about soccer or, or you don't, uh, you know, you're more of a casual soccer fan. Futsal is sort of like a, a ramped up, higher scoring, faster paced version of soccer. Um, it's played on a smaller court as opposed to a field. It's five on five as opposed to 11 on 11. Um, really focuses more on what you can do on the ball, um, which a lot of people uh, will will say. And there's, there's some sort of argument, I guess, about this. But that futsal is a really, really good developmental tool for soccer players as well because it, it forces you to be on the ball more. Um, so that's, I mean, that's kind of a, a again, sort of a, a very, very terrible Cliff Notes description of futsal. Definitely go check out the Futsal Society uh, website or our interview with Caleb. He does a much better job describing it than I do. But um, it's cool that that this is becoming accessible. Um, if you look anywhere internationally, South America, um, you know, you see futsal courts, you know, as far as the eye can see um, on every corner. Um, obviously here in America, not so prevalent, but Caleb is sort of looking to change that. Not only, um, you know, trying to get as many indoor spaces as possible, basketball courts and things like that accessible for futsal, but also trying to get futsal specific courts sort of integrated into the Twin Cities as well. Um, and they, are, they they do excellent work and they're having their their big, big fundraiser this Friday at Loring Social in Minneapolis from 6 to 9 p.m., now they have a goal of raising $25,000. They have gotten nearly 11,000 of that already from 62 contributors. So shout out to everybody who has um, donated to the Futsal Society for this little fundraiser here. Um, our friends at Spam FC recently donated $1,500 as well. So um, again, local, um, you know, you know, local soccer club helping local soccer organization there. Um, that's awesome to see. But they're about 14 grand away from that $25,000 goal. They're looking to sort of make up that difference this Friday at that fundraiser. Again, Loring Social in Minneapolis, 6 to 9 p.m. Um, and the funds will be used to sort of expand their programming, pay all the support staff that they need to put this together, um, and buy some of that essential equipment that they need to make all of this happen. So, again, um, help out if you can. Um, it's at Loring Social this Friday from 6 to 9 p.m. Um, and you can check them out on social media or head to their website just google futsal society or hit up hit up them on twitter the exact uh the exact handle is at futsal society 14 um for all that information but just a really really good organization led by a really good dude and caleb who's looking to do some great things here who has has done a lot of great things here in the twin cities and is uh looking to help expand that and that fundraiser is going to play a huge part yeah, you know, really, really great and also important work that it's it's really cool that there's actually like so many people and organizations kind of becoming part of this landscape now uh, in Minnesota, particularly in the Twin Cities and, and certainly the football or f- futsal society as as a key part of that. 
it the game of futsal is is actually so important to the development of, of players you you mentioned of course that there's a lot of disagreement about that in the united states uh breaking news no one else in the world disagrees with that including all the countries yeah. that have ever won the world cup so um you know it, it it's it's uh every great player you've ever heard of uh played futsal or or and uh, informal form of futsal, you know, cement soccer, if you will, cement football, if you will, um, growing up street mm-hmm. soccer, if you will. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it's so important. It's so important to get that uh, chance for kids to get a lot of touches on the ball. That's a big part of futsal is the fact that, you know, if you have little kids playing 11 v 11 soccer, a lot of them just don't actually get a lot of time on the ball and, and that can affect their development mentally and physically. Uh, futsal does not have that problem at all because <laughs> you're doing so much the whole time uh it's five aside in case people didn't know so you know it's 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 uh pretty active so anyways yeah great great work that he does and that the futsal society as a whole does uh i i hope that we see this movement this futsal movement in minnesota and in the country continue to grow There's so many great people uh working on that here and uh i i've i've enjoyed every interaction i've had with with people from that community i'm sure you have too uh, and I, I really look forward yeah. to what what they all continue to do this year, and I mean for decades to come. Um, all the info you need on the Futsal Society in the show notes, website links to how you can uh, get involved with the fundraiser, all that good stuff, as well as that previous conversation that I had with Caleb. Um, really does a good job describing what the Futsal Society is, why it exists, how it got started, what it does, and just kind of why futsal, as you just described, Dom, is is so important um you know to development and and plays such a big role can play such a big role here in the twin cities all right transitioning into something a little bit more tongue-in-cheek maybe less important to the uh, world of minnesota soccer but it's kind of funny and uh i think uh you know um it's just very very either this is a the largest coincidence in the history of coincidences or there is actually something going on here so hashtag up the thieves has returned. Now, if you don't know what up the thieves is back in 2020, new MLS club, uh, then very, very newly announced MLS club, St. Louis city FC unveiled sort of their branding. Um, and it was cool. Um, but the, the color scheme, the font, and all of like the branding aspects were, almost identical to what Minneapolis city had previously done with their futures program. Now this was all sort of in jest when Minneapolis city was like, Oh, this is kind of similar. That's pretty cool. And like a very, you know, sarcastic hashtag up the thieves, you know, whatever. I don't think a lot of people, some people sort of took that as like, Oh, they ripped Minneapolis city off where I don't think that was necessarily um, the overall thinking from the club or or some of the people surround it certainly wasn't my thinking. I pointed out that it was similar and I thought it was cool, but uh, there were some people who took that as uh, it was it was a total ripoff. Um, but this last week, uh, St. Louis City has done themselves no favors in uh, trying to uh, move away from from that quote unquote controversy, as St. Louis City has unveiled. Get this, Dom the St. Louis city futures program uh, designed to help give young soccer players in St. Louis and surrounding area, a competitive pathway. Uh, (coughs) I mean, look, (laughs) I, I don't know what, what else to say. Um, It's, 
either again a very large coincidence or there is uh i guess some to put it lightly inspiration being taken (laughs) from minneapolis city to st louis but either way sort of interesting developments on the up the thieves track there yeah, you know, I gotta say, Jeremy, the 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 life simulation's getting a little too weird for me here. <laughs> it's going a little too off the rails. Uh, yeah, you know, I I we have no way of knowing uh, what the origin of that similarity is, especially this new development. You do wonder if you know by chance uh, an admin or a social media person or you know whoever at uh, St. Louis City maybe it stumbled across the original Twitter storm, saw Minneapolis city futures, and that maybe planted, you know, a seed that, that later when this came up, that they want to do this youth program, they accidentally, you know, you you hear about this all the time in in, in other, you know, creative fields, like that idea of accidentally stealing ideas. Um, It's possible that happened. I mean, I, you know, I don't know. It's it's one of those things that you have to be careful not to overthink it because obviously, like the idea of referring to kids as the future is not something that Minneapolis City invented, right? So it's like yeah. there are ways to rationalize it, but it's it's pretty damn on the nose. <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot uh, of similarities there, more so. I think though, we've crossed the threshold of yeah. like, you know, this not being weird. Uh, yeah, it's pretty <laughs> so, weird. Yeah. But I do, I don't also don't want it to get lost in the fact that, like, any team, any club, any organization that takes steps to sort of help develop future soccer players, that's always a good thing. Like, that's never a bad thing. So I don't want anybody coming out of this thinking that we're saying or developing your own opinion that the the St. Louis City Futures program existing is a bad thing. It is most certainly not. It can only help. Uh, in terms of just continuing to try to provide these competitive pathways for young soccer players and move them up and, you know, help them become the the soccer players that they want to be moving forward. It's what Minneapolis city's done. It's cool that St. Louis city is doing it. All that we're really pointing out is just the weirdness level of the, the similarities in the branding. Um, but I do think any developmental program that exists, you know, is, is, is good. Uh, you know, no matter how similar it's branded to another. Um, you know what I would love, though, Dom? I would love for St. Louis City to just come out and just lean into this thieves thing. Like, really just lean into it. That that that's the, I think that's their only way forward here is to just, you know, like, take on the hashtag as their own, up the thieves, make, like, the thieves they're, like, you know, they're they're like loons or like you know they're like nickname right right and like i don't know just just try to lean into it it's you know i don't think anybody's gonna necessarily be mad i don't think anybody's really mad i think it's more of just like a funny like an mls team taking inspiration from a uh npsl now usl league two team like a fourth division team like it's it's kind of cool and i think it says a lot about what minneapolis city has been able to do from an organizational and branding marketing standpoint that if this is some sort of you know inspiration being taken from an mls club i think either way this is you know only only good 
for Minneapolis City being involved in this conversation with an MLS club moving forward. Yeah, you know, in the end, it's all it's all fun and games, and and the the initiative behind the program is obviously what matters most, and it seems to be a very good one. I to your point, I do think it'd be pretty pretty wild if like a week from now, St. Louis announces that its mascot is going to be like a raven or something. But uh, <laughs> but you know, I almost I I like your idea of them like leaning into the hashtag, but I also like the idea of them continuing to pretend it's not happening, but going deeper and deeper into the hurricane, and just like you know, I mean, then real twilight zone on the arch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they like somehow find a stadium in St. Louis called Edor Nelson, like you know, like. Like I, yeah. I, I want some like really weird. I want it to get really weird <laughs> with this Minneapolis City, St. Louis City uh, connection that has has developed. Uh, yeah. I want them to. I want them to push the limits of copyright laws in this country. <laughs> <laughs> but without, uh, without violating any of them, without violating any of them. But no. uh, yeah, it's 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 more fun than anything else, and I I don't think. Um, I don't think the folks at Minneapolis City mind having more things to joke about on the internet. So no, I, I no. think it all works out for everybody. Yeah, I think it does too. It's just it's very very interesting, and it's brought my tweet back from 2020 that to this day I think is my most engaged with tweet of all time. And because it's being brought back, it's now continuing to get more engagement. So it works out for me personally too, which is great. Uh, and in the end, um, you know that's 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 a win I can take from it too. So. Um, I'm in favor. Um, all right, before we get out of here, Dom, uh, a few stories to plug here uh, from SodaSoccer.com. Um, so one thing we actually didn't mention in the early portion of the podcast, Minneapolis City 2 did make their debut over the weekend. Justin McMaster scored in what ended up being a 3-1 loss for the uh, the Lunidos, as we're going to call them, um, against, uh, against North Texas, which is FC Dallas's reserve team if you know anything about the fc dallas academy a lot of really really good players coming through that so um no shame in losing to a team like north texas obviously the ford madison fans know exactly how they ran rough shot over uh over usl league one in years past so um no surprise that they're continuing to be good in mls next pro um but uh, John Martha, John Marthaler and Jacob Schneider both wrote some really good articles on Minnesota United too. It's impact sort of what we can expect this season from that club. So you can go check those out over in the loon section over at sodasoccer.com. And Dom, you had a really good article this week. Um, you do a really good job. I think of finding sort of those, those Minnesota soccer topics that like literally nobody else is going to think to find or write about which is really, really cool. And that's kind of what I want Soda Soccer to be, sort of not just the Minnesota United content, but also just just stuff you're not going to find anywhere else. And that's, I think, what this article really encapsulates, um, you know, focusing on the impact of Minnesota's African communities on soccer. I don't know if you want to expand on that a little bit. Sure, yeah. Um, yeah, obviously, that, that's what the article is about, is, is just exploring a couple examples of, yeah. Of, of how uh, Minnesota's various African communities, of course, encompasses many, many groups that uh, I, tr- I tried, tried my best to not, you know, avoid overgeneralizing, but uh, how the impact they have on the soccer scene here at all kinds of levels, it's, it's a massive impact. It's an impact that I don't always think people think of when they think about uh, soccer in the state or, or, or even in the upper Midwest, you know, uh, if, if we weren't a Minnesota focused, uh, uh, 
publication, you could easily have a whole article of the same kind talking about the Dakota Young Stars and the Dakota Fusion, a lot of these other teams in nearby states that have kind of a story. Um, but, you know, so uh, the article just talks about a couple poignant examples of, of how, uh, whether that, you know, African communities in, in the state, individuals from African communities, the impact they have on, on soccer in Minnesota. It talks about uh, some clubs in the uh, UPSL, uh, including FC Minneapolis and uh, Ubasua. I'm still working on the pronunciation of that. Apologies. Um, uh, the latter, which is joining the UPSL this year. Uh, and it also talks about a really cool thing that uh, I don't think pretty much anybody knows about <laughs> in Minnesota that aren't already going or paying attention to it, which is the Elsfana tournament, soccer tournament, which is an annual uh, Oromo cultural event uh, that uh, is hosted in technically a different location every year, but it's frequently hosted in the Twin Cities. And uh, it's this event where for uh, Oromo people come from all over uh, the United States and actually from other countries as well and, and have this big soccer tournament. Most recently it was held um, at uh, Osseo High School, the soccer tournament aspect of this was. And uh, go, go check out the article. There's, there's uh, images and a link to a, the live stream of the final of this tournament. You will be blown away, blown away by the amount of people watching these games. The crowds mm -hmm. at these games are like nothing non-professional soccer gets in, I would argue, this country, but certainly the upper Midwest. They have packed this high school. I mean, to it to an extent that no, no NPSL, USL League 2 club can even dream of. It, it is a massive crowd. And, uh, and, and by the way, they managed to do that in a year where it was hard to get crowds together. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so, you know, and, and they've done that for years. It's, it's this really cool tournament. It's, it's about cultural celebration. It's about, of course, playing soccer. It's about, uh, folks from different cities coming together, kind of different Oromo communities coming together and, and competing, uh, in, in a positive way with each other. Uh, it, it's just a really cool thing that I learned about by accident, uh, because I was like loosely friends with a person that I met at UMD. And I saw on their Instagram one time that they went to it like a year ago. And I was like, what is that? <laughs> and it sort of planted the seed of, of this article. But um, yeah, so a lot of cool stuff that, you know, I, I think probably a lot of our readers, not necessarily out of fault of their own, but they're probably not going to know about. So I, I really encourage you to go learn about the, the huge developments in soccer in Minnesota that are happening sort of out of sight of the, the mainstream of, of what we see as American soccer. And on that note, we, you know, Dom, we, we were talking before this episode started like, Oh, you know, pretty light week this week, <laughs> you know, not a time to talk about. And here we are an hour and 11 minutes later, uh, finally coming to the end of this podcast. So uh, just proves that there's never a dull week. No such thing as a dull week in the world of Minnesota soccer. That's why 10,000 pitches is here bring you all the action all the news um so this little weekend preview here uh we got for madison 6 30 on saturday their opener at chattanooga that's on espn plus minnesota united 7 p.m kickoff against seattle that's on valley um and then sunday we have minnesota united two taking the field as well um and really quick here because i don't know what time they play doing a quick google search although the google search on my computer is not 
doing it for me right now. So let me pull out my phone quick. This is terrible podcasting, but let me just check the schedule real quick. Um, I am seeing 1 p.m. 1 p.m. We will go with that. Google search did nothing for me. So 1 p.m. on Sunday, we will roll with that for uh, Minnesota United 2's next match as well. Um, And that can be found at MLSNextPro.com as well if you want to watch that on Sunday. So a packed weekend of soccer action. We'll be covering it all at SodaSoccer.com. We'll have post loons coming your way following the Minnesota United Seattle match on Saturday evening. So make sure you tune in for that. And then as always, Dom and I will be back for another episode of 10K next Friday. Enjoy the soccer. We'll talk to you next week. Have a great weekend, everybody.